0: Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Alison Colley.
1: Hello and welcome to this episode number 78 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. For those of you who have been listening in the last couple of weeks, you'll know that I've been doing a mini-series on mental health issues and mental health at work. And this is the final episode in that four part series. And today I'm really pleased to be joined by two guests who I have interviewed on today's podcast, Jill Hepburn and Ian Smith from the iTalk service. So this episode of the podcast is going to be an interview, an interview with the experts just with us talking about mental health at work, things that employers can do and things that employees can do to help themselves. Because it's an interview, the sound quality isn't as it normally would be, so please do bear with me. Um, The different levels of voices may make it difficult to hear at times, so I apologise for that in advance, but do bear with it because there's some really good content in there. So, without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's content. (laughs) As I was saying, this week I'm interviewing Jill Hepburn and Ian Smith from the iTalk service. Now the iTalk service is a free service for people who have depression, anxiety or stress. It is part of the Improving Access to Psychological Therapy service, which is delivered in partnership between the charity Solent Mind and the Southern Health NHS Foundation Trust. It's a counselling service which is provided in various ways and people can refer, self-refer via their website in certain areas. And there are similar services as you'll hear around the UK and I'll put a link in the show notes so you can find the details. Jill and Ian particularly work in the employment team and as they'll explain they provide assistance to people who are having problems At work and to help to assist them in resolving them so that they can retain their employment. I'm here today with Ian and Jill from the iTalk service who have very kindly agreed to give me some time and to talk about mental health and work issues. So, what I'm going to do is ask you both just to explain who you are. So, first off, Ian, if you could just tell everyone who you are and what you do.
0: Yeah, I'm Ian Smith, I'm Senior Employment Advisor with the iTalk service. I work for Solent Mind, a mental health charity. We operate the iTalk service in partnership with NHS Southern Health, and it's part of the Improving Access to Psychological Therapy service, which helps people with mild to moderate mental health issues. Uh, my role as Senior Employment Advisor, I work with people who have got jobs, but who are in danger of losing their jobs due to their health conditions.
2: Thank you, Ian. That's great. And Jill? I'm Jill Hepburn. I'm Employment Advisor with the iTalk service, as of Ian, part of Solent Mind, and I too work with people who are experiencing problems at work due to their mental health or whether mental health is affecting their work or work is affecting their mental health and help them to retain their employment.
1: Yeah, and I've known you guys now for, well, quite a few years really, mm-hmm. isn't it? Interestingly, Ian and I met, well, must be, a, oh well, over 10 years ago or something like that now, when we met who is our now Prime Minister, or maybe not be our Prime Minister that's in right. a few years' time. And I always think that's interesting. You reminded me of that story, and I was recanting it to somebody else, and they said, you met the minister you never told me and I said well you know it didn't really matter it was a long time ago (laughs) but we've worked um, together on a number of things since then and I quite often send clients my my clients to your website and get them to self-refer to you because I think it's a fantastic service that is sort of bridging that gap that people really need now isn't it so those people that don't need medication necessarily and who can't access sort of counselling services or appropriate services via their GP. It's sort of bridging that gap, isn't it?
0: It is. It's it's providing um, guided self-help to people to help them overcome um, mild to moderate mental health issues such as anxiety or depression. And also there's a more intensive version of the service as well, which provides quite, as I already said, intensive um, face-to-face uh, interventions over quite a long period of time to help people with more severe issues.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. And so how, how common is it or how often are you contacted by people who are um, experiencing mental health issues because of work?
0: Well, our service in Hampshire, we would have about 15,000 referrals a year, of which those probably 500 or more will have work related issues.
1: Yeah, and that seems like a huge amount, doesn't it? I know you guys are always really busy when talking to you. (laughs) So there's clearly an issue there. And um, you say that's in Hampshire. So is there a similar service around the country? Because I know lots of people listen from around the UK. Yes,
0: there are lots of IAP services all over the country. They're each based on the particular commissioners who... Commission the service for the geographical area. So there's a separate service, for example, for the Isle of Wight, a separate one for Southampton, a separate one for Portsmouth. The best thing to do is to uh, just Google IAPT and you'll find a website and you tap in the postcode as to where you live and it will tell you the contact details for your nearest service.
1: Okay, that's great. And does that mean that um, employers who are looking for advice and guidance can contact you as well?
0: We do get contacted occasionally by employers, but it's normally the individual um, that will come to us and ask us for help and uh, advice and guidance on the situation with the employer rather than the employer coming to us. Um, But there are organisations that can support employers and give them guidance on how to deal with any staff they have who have mental health issues.
1: Yeah, and perhaps we can put a link to that in some of the show notes so that if people want to, if employers are listening and they want to get them touch with somebody
0: that's that's of, a good idea because we can give you the proper IAP app website rather than me just saying google it yeah uh, and there's also mindful employer that, that gives them all kinds of tense tips and advice to employees they're a really really good organization
1: So I had a few things I wanted to cover when I was talking to you, because I know that you two are both a mine... Is that the right word? Mine of information? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Possibly. Um,
1: So what, in your opinion, uh, each of you, are the main issues that employees
2: face with regards to mental health and work? Well, I think really stigma, unfortunately, is still a big thing Um, in the workplace. Managers not understanding how the symptoms of depression, anxiety, stress etc can affect someone in the workplace and also their day-to-day life and equally the employees are too scared to disclose that they have an issue to their employer.
1: Yeah that's interesting you should say that because for the last episode of the podcast I put out a question on LinkedIn and, and Facebook on the business pages asking people why they thought that employers particularly behave badly and the overwhelming thing was it was about this uh, this not knowing or stigma side of it rather than a deliberate attempt or a deliberate discrimination if you like it was more about not really knowing so in your experience is that where it comes from yeah without I question
0: i love it yeah yeah, yeah. um it, it, it is it's ignorance just lack of understanding people say there's nothing there's nothing really wrong with you know just shake yourself out yeah. of it put yourself together and you'll be fine because they just have never taken the trouble to try and understand a mental health issue
1: yeah, that always surprises me, actually, and you probably get it too. The amount of clients who say, oh, my manager, my supervisor, or my colleague told me just to, you know, get over it, um, you know, pull myself together. I think that seems to be the, the biggest one. Yes. But you wouldn't say that to somebody who had a physical disability, would no, you? absolutely not. And so how, how um, in your opinion, can employers become more educated about their mental health conditions?
0: I think it's um, possibly through organisations like Mindful Employer um, or through our own organisation, Mind, um, which has all kinds of information that will educate employers and and educate anyone, for that matter, about how mental health can affect the individual and the devastating effects it can have on some people.
1: Yeah, definitely. and. One of the things I want to do with this podcast is try to promote best practice. So I, I would say as a very minimum, if you're going to be managing people at any level, you should at least take the time to read about the main causes yes. of stress at work and you know things like disability discrimination and have a bit of an understanding at the very least about it. Because not everybody's come across it, you know, I think if you've you've experienced it firsthand or you've had family members or, you know, you've had people close to you who have had mental health problems or, or conditions, you are much more likely to understand, aren't you? Because you've taken that time. But if you're a new manager, you've never had any experience, you know, at least sitting your managers down in front of the computer and saying, right, at least read the guidance on even the .gov website would
2: mm. be a minimum, yeah. wouldn't mm-hmm. it? Yeah.
0: Um, some sort of mental health awareness training, I think, should be very advisable for all managers. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, as part of a management programme, you know, management training programme, without a doubt. I mean, <clears throat> statistics show that there's one in five people in the workplace who are suffering some some form of mental health issue. Yeah,
1: and if you think about the lost, you know, just from a commercial perspective as an employer, the lost days and the lost productivity and just not addressing that in the simplest of ways, I suppose.
0: I think i read somewhere it's something like £80 billion a year lost through mm. mental health mm. illness in the workplace. I mean, it's a horrendous amount of money.
1: Yeah. And so what do you think then are the main triggers or causes for people to have sort of work-related stress and conditions?
0: A lot of it is is, is, is due to the pressure of work. And mm-hmm. I think particularly in the last 10 years or so, since the recession came uh, came along and austerity kicked in, um the pressure is on much more than it ever has been on individuals, and we have people saying to us, "Oh there used to be six people in my department, and now there's just me, so there, there is a lot more pressure on individuals to perform more, I think, and and do more for less, and I think particularly fewer people in the workplace. They can't handle that. They've always done things in a certain way, and the newer ways of working, which has been forced upon us by circumstances, a lot of people do find it very difficult to cope with.
1: And how many people do you find sort of bottle it up and keep going
2: and keep going for a long period of time? Most. <laughs> yeah. Then they'll get to a breaking point uh, and then sorry. they go sick. And they too get to say the real reason sometimes why they are sick. Mm.
0: So it becomes a crisis and it's almost unsolvable. They don't say anything. The stigma, not just from their boss probably, but from their colleagues in the workplace. Um, We find this particularly in a a ish environment, don't we? Yes, yes. And we notice the difference where you have an employer that's open, they've got a good policy, where where they um, support people who who are uh, unwell. Um, it's much, much easier to to come out and say, I've got a problem, I'm not coping, and ask for help, particularly if it's a smaller employer perhaps, where there's very few layers of managers. If there's a problem with the boss, who's most likely the owner of the company, um, who doesn't believe there is such a thing as a mental health condition, there's very little that can be done about it, and that increases the individual's fear.
2: Sometimes it's a case of they're scared to disclose to the employer, but we would always try and encourage the pros and cons of disclosing to an employer because at the end of the day, if the employer doesn't know there's an issue, then they can't support them. Yeah. And until you actually say that to a person, they they don't actually realise that. They don't they think it should be, perhaps should be recognised they've got a problem, but the employer doesn't recognise that. They don't go about their day-to-day business. But if they disclose, they don't have to tell everybody, they don't have to tell the employer every single detail, but enough so that 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 manager is aware that there's an issue and to look at support mechanisms they can put in place.
1: It's a lot about communication, isn't (coughs) it, really? Fundamentally, um, about having, like you say, the good levels of communication and open communication and then encouraging people to to talk to their um, employers and explain. Because I think as well, lots of people are afraid of (laughs) saying, well, I can't cope in case they think, well, I'm going to be replaced or someone else is going to take over from me. But actually, if you do tell your employer you can't cope, and they don't take steps to rectify the situation at least you've done that you you've, you've recognized that issue it's much better to do that and move on isn't it than wait until you've had a, a, breakdown, a breakdown essentially because yes. of it and i think one of the things i find when dealing with with clients and um particular clients that you guys refer <coughs> to me is that they you often find that they're hanging on to their job at you know the cost of their health at the cost of their family life and you know, I, one of the first things I always say is actually work is the the least important thing in life, yeah. isn't it? Really?
0: <laughs> yes. I can encourage individuals I'm working with to actually leave their employment, even though my job is to keep them in work, because I can see that the the job they've got is the thing that's making them unwell, and there may be no solution to that particular problem if the employer um, isn't receptive to, to making adjustments or, or helping the individual or it's just impossible for that to happen because of the nature of the work, then the best thing sometimes is to get out of there for your own health. Put yourself first um, and your family first and, and think of yourself and start again somewhere else.
1: And quite often you find that the if the condition is caused by work, once they've left work, they actually have a much quicker recovery than any kind of talking therapies that you can do. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. So what sort of, are there some self-help or do you know of any self-help tips and um, things that employees could do whilst at work if they are, you know, if they're feeling stressed or under pressure to
2: sort of look after their own mental well-being? I I think really it all comes down to disclosing to, to at least their manager to enable them to come up with some ideas that may help them. I mean, for example, um, it could be that person that suffers with anxiety. If they're becoming a bit anxious at work, if the, the manager knows, then it could be they just have to take short short breaks just to go outside, take some deep breaths, get stuck with themselves. It could be that they struggle getting up in the morning because they suffer from depression. Um, so perhaps look at flexible working, coming in a bit later, working a bit later, even on a temporary basis, just while that person is is trying to get themselves better.
0: We've got some quite good literature, of which um, mm-hmm. we send out to a lot of people. One of them is from, from the organisation called Radar, which an individual can actually work through this little booklet with the manager and note down signs of when uh, to look out for, that means the person is becoming unwell mm-hmm. and what the manager should do about it. There's quite a few sheets like that. There's a wrap. Um, yeah, it's so like
2: an action plan in the back that yeah. they can actually put key things that would, what will help me... If I'm suffering at work, what can my manager do to help support me? And when will we review this to see that it's working? That's an, an ideal tool, isn't it, for Absolutely. somebody that's suffering from form of mental health condition at work?
1: And in your experience, how receptive are employers to these sorts of things and you know if if, if you're involved and um, you, you're sort of saying disclosing all of the issues with the employee and explaining to them some of the changes that need to be made you know on average how receptive are they to making those changes? I would
0: say you, most employers are receptive once they understand what the individual is going through and in the greater picture of things, how little the employer actually has to do to to make those adjustments. They are very usually very, very small adjustments. And low cost. Very low cost, quite often. (laughs) It can, as as Jill's just said, it can be something like just arranging with the person to come in half an hour late and work half an hour later in the evening or something. So there's virtually no cost to the employer at all. It can be as simple as that. There's a lot that are a lot more complicated, Mm -hmm. but a lot of them are fairly straightforward. And I think most employers, once they understand the situation, if they value that employee, are quite happy to try and work with them if they can to, 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 in terms of where um, on the road to recovery.
1: Yeah, because I think that's a big fear, isn't it, for employees is that they're worried that, that actually their employer won't do anything or um, don't, doesn't really care. But actually, majority of employers are very cared. Majority, scared. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I mean, we've come across some outstanding mm-hmm. employers that um, will do absolutely anything to keep uh, a good employee in the job and at work and being a valuable employee for, for their organisation. And luckily, most employers come into that category. Uh, there are a few who will not do anything at all, either out of ignorance or just because they don't care about their people. But luckily, the vast majority are happy to make some sort of adjustments and work with the individual to keep them in, in, in their job.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And I mean, a lot of the, the way that legislation is going is about sort of publicly, in a way, publicly shaming employers into making change. I'm just thinking about the like the gender pay reporting that employers yep. have to do now. And the idea being that, actually, if you're shamed into showing that you're paying women and men differently, you'll be more likely to change that because of reputational issues. Do you think that there could be some way of, you know, encouraging employers to behave better by making them disclose statistics, for example, about
2: disabled employees do you think that would work? I'm not sure about that. Mm. I'm
0: not sure.
2: I, I think probably a better way, better way would be of promoting what they do to ensure that they look after the well-being and the mental well-being of, of their employees and make that public in the things that they do, in, in, mm. you know, in, on their websites or any um, newsletters or whatever or part of the induction that that person goes through. That it's communicated throughout and it's cascaded down that through that organisation that they want to support, they want to keep you healthy, not just your physical health but your mental health as well.
1: Does an organisation like, um, so, mind have you know like a kite mark or something or a list of employers that you know are are good practice?
0: We don't have a list of employers that we know. Uh, give good practice. Again, I'll refer back to Mindful Employer, where employees, employers can join the organisation and then they can use their logo. It's a bit like the disability double-tick okay. um, type thing. They can put that on their website, on their head of paper, etc., to say, yes, we're a mindful employer. We do think about people who have a mental health issue. One of the first things I do normally when an individual comes to me for help and advice regarding their employment if they're having problems with the employer and the attitude towards them because of their health, I will have a look at the employer's website and see if there is a statement on there on equality and diversity, for example. And quite often there is, and the employer will be saying, "Oh, we, we, we respect people from all walks of life, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera, but they're not actually putting it into practice. And quite often it's because, again, going back to what Jill said earlier, the managers, individual managers, aren't following the corporate policy. So it's, it's quite a useful little trick to do that and then send a copy of that statement to the individual to go and give it to his manager and saying this is what the company says you do, but in actual fact, you're not putting it into practice.
2: I think that's particularly key for bullying and harassment, yeah. where most organisations will have a bullying and harassment policy, but it's not really followed. And yeah. that causes a lot of problems.
1: So then what what could be your one takeaway tip for an employer or HR person listening to the podcast today? Um, what would you say is the number one thing that they can do to improve things in their organisation for members of staff who've got um, mental health conditions?
0: I think um, have a look at the Mindful Employer website and also go on to the MIND website. Um, there's a resource on there called Resource Number 4, I think, isn't it, Jill?
2: Uh, yeah, I think it is. Okay, yep, we can put a link four. in the
0: yep. notes. How to support employees who work with mental health issues.
2: And realistically, organisations need to send a clear signal to staff that their mental health matters and being open about it will lead to support, not discrimination. Uh, a simple way to communicate this is to explain that mental health will be treated in the same way as physical health. I think that's it. That's a really good takeaway, isn't it? The one thing to take away from this.
1: So that's really helpful and hopefully ending up this mini-series on mental health, it's given those people listening some really key information and even if it just gets people to have a look at their own websites and see what their statements say <laughs> would be a good thing. Yes. I will put a link in the show notes to everything. But if they want to get in touch with you guys directly, it would be through iTalk,
2: the iTalk service.
0: You would have to, the individual would have to refer themselves to iTalk, which they can do um, direct. They don't have to come through their GP. And they can do that on www.italk.org.uk. And they can self-refer. And when they are contacted for their initial assessment, they can explain they have employment problems and can they be referred to the employment advisors and the therapist will pass them on to us.
1: No, that's great. Thank you. And I know you guys, as I said at the beginning, do a sterling job for people. And you Um, you have lots of work on, I know, and um, some real success cases there. So it's great to have that resource. And thank you very much for your time. You're
2: You're welcome. welcome. Thank Thank you.
1: Hopefully you have found that content really useful. I will put all the links in the show notes so you can find information and a summary about the things that we've talked about. There were some really helpful tips and hints there for both employers and employees. So if you found it useful, I'd be really grateful if you get in touch. You can contact me, it's Alison at realemploymentadvice.co.uk and I'll put all the details of how you can contact italk and similar services in your area on the show notes, which you can find at employers.co.uk forward slash podcast forward slash 78.